0: For the next 30 or 60 days, we urge you to play this record every day. Play side one in the morning before you leave your home. Play side two in the evening. If you will do this, you will start the development of those traits in your personality that will enable you to make people like you, believe you, and trust you. podcast everyone this is no spooks allowed and i am not spooky not underscore spooky
1: (laughs) and this is nsa underscore
0: mod and we're coming at you again with some follow-ups of our last episode about what we recommended each other to listen to oh crap i did not (laughs)
1: listen you didn't listen to my album no, I completely blanked on that one because it was really? just, a, just. I kidding. got attracted by an elephant, and so then at that point, typically, the elephant I've been around, I would have spent most of my time doing it then. It's a pretty big
0: elephant. It's a large elephant, anyway. But we can talk about the album you recommended, uh, Dead Kennedys. Yes. Rotting, or er, fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Yes. I like that. Like I didn't. It never dawned on me. Like when you first recommended it, I didn't understand what they were getting at. Um, I might just be reading into things, but we are the rotting vegetables of society, and we require fresh fruit. Yes, no. I
1: I've never, I never thought of it that much. So, if, like, if you have an idea as to what that means, go ahead. So that's that's what I thought. It was like. Um, we
0: are vegetables. We're rotting vegetables because all we do is consume and all that fun stuff, and we somehow think it a virtue to eat fresh fruit. So that's my that's my take
1: on that. I'm gonna pull up the lyrics to that album just real quick because I feel that we're going to start talking about the fruit. So, um, but as for the album itself, I feel that if you start getting into it, it kinda pretty much is what punk used to be. And I kinda describe it to you as like macro conservative, micro, like libertarian anarchist. Yeah. I would agree, anarchist. And then I like
0: I wasn't sure because <clears throat> the song just the main song that threw me off was Winch let Lynch, that's Lynch the Landlord? Mm -hmm. because that's very communist like that's Trotsky Trotsky Mm Trotskyism so they hate they hate landlords so I was just
1: a little a little confused when I think of like the punk movement I think of it as just pure like rebellion toward anything like so I think I don't necessarily imagine that they had a lot of Solidified ideas. It was just more like rebel to rebel. Yeah. So like whether like if you were pro war, then at that point we're against you. If you're like basically like um, like pro like any form of like uh, I guess a stalwart for like, uh, like a stodgyness in a sense, just like like religious fundamentalism or stuff like yep. that, against you. But then at the, at the same time, it's, like, you also have a lot of, like, the idea of, like, like, I would say that, um, that at least when it comes to Dead Kennedys, Joe Biafra's specific targets were more on, like, like say, people who, like, I forget the name of that song, but where it's, like, um, oh, it was a holiday in Cambodia, where yeah. it just... People that supported these type of regimes, basically saying that wouldn't it be great if like communism was over here? And then it's just like, exactly. Go take,
0: your, go take a holiday in Cambodia.
1: Yeah. So it's like, to me, I feel like it's like um, that. At least when it came to the dead Kennedys, they were more, I guess, intellectually on the right, just because they were kind of aware of where some of the bad thought led to. California Uber this as well. Was that a left-wing governor that they were against? Yes, Governor Moonbeam. Which, Moonbeam? What you that was his actual name? No, no, no. It's just everyone called him Moonbeam just because of um, his whole, like, he had a lot of, like, pie-in-the-sky ideas in terms. So do you remember, like, early on into, like, um like, George, uh, no, George, uh, Trump's, like, presidency, there was, like, an issue with him in California, and basically, that uh, mm-hmm. California had, like, this, like... Uh, I am
0: aware of the last two years of Trump's presidency, and that's all. I don't know anything about the starting days, because I did not live in the country for the first okay. two years.
1: So, in the beginning of the whole thing, there was an issue where, um, essentially... Uh, California had this massive uh, railway system, which the idea was it was supposed to connect um, like Southern California to Northern California with this massive railway system, and they chose the most expensive ways to go about it, and essentially the idea was that back in the Obama administration, at that point, basically, they were like, all right, go ahead. Money doesn't matter. Just print money. Uh, They're doing now. Yeah, like money machine print Burr. Money machine go Burr. But like, just like, the whole thing is just like, they, they just kept funding like, all these things and then when it came to the Trump presidency, he was just like, no, this this is literally like a financial like, waste, like, this is like, there's no reason for this, you're never gonna make the money back. So, at that point, he stopped funding it, so they had to basically cut it short between those like, San Francisco, I think it's like Modesto or something like that. Mm-hmm. So just, but like that's kind of like one of the ideas that kind of he had, where it like, he had a lot of like like hyper progressive um, stuff like that, essentially weren't really based in reality, and essentially it would cost way more money to produce than it actually um, would ever work. Interesting. So, which is interesting that he was basically hired, or like elected back in the 80s, and then now, I guess in contemporary times, he then got re-elected. And now we're listening to songs about California Uber Alice,
0: which was about him, but now mm-hmm. his policies are affecting modern... current times, I should say. Not modern. Not like,
1: the 80s wasn't modern, but... Mm-hmm. Even in California Uber Alice, like basically... Like, he, he signifies that essentially, like, he basically being propped up by uh, President Carter. Okay. But, I don't know, like, I I enjoyed, like, to me, it's, like, the, the album constantly remains fast, and it's kind of, like, one of the things, but things that I kind of mentioned in terms of, like, like the Phantomas the and stuff like that. Like, I, I guess, like, I enjoy where it's just, like, a consistent like high speed rhythm like that to me i I guess for some reason like my autism just kind of gets drawn to it (laughs) it's like like a lot of the early punk like even though they may not necessarily be like technological or uh, like musically like savvy per se in terms of like a lot of like different chords and what have you they're just fast yeah
0: i i get the draw when I was listening to the album, like it's only like thirty minutes long and I it was I was just at work. I was listening to it while I was at work and mm. it just blew past and I was like, dang. So like Did I mean, they create so- a song Viva Las Vegas? I thought some like country band did that. No, that was um Elvis. Oh, and they just did a spin
1: off of it? Yeah. Mm. I mean it's the same lyrics. Oh, it's so the same it's- lyrics? Yeah. Oh. Um, but like uh, after that uh, there's uh what's the album that comes after there's like plastic uh, surgery disasters um, and so in that situation like the the songs I would still say are good just they're no longer um, they're no longer as Poignant and kind of significant as that first album. I see. Um, so, but like one of the things I like in that second album is called Well Paid Scientist, and which, once again, by like today's uh, situation, people will probably be like, oh, this guy's like Angie Vax.
0: Okay.
1: But like essentially, the entire thing is uh like it's just kind of talking about um, like, uh, how now you have company pay scientists and what have you. It's like, it's like these are the people that essentially that we have on TV spotting all these things, but they're basically just no different than a company hype man. Just basically just doing the PR for the company and selling whatever products and what have you. So it's like, they never can tell you like the negatives of taking like SSRI inhibitors and what have you. And they're just going to tell you like, Oh, they're good for you. What have you.
0: But then in a really fast voice at the end of the commercial, which you can't understand, then they tell you all the side effects, right?
1: Yeah. Which, um, that, I thought, was um, kind of fascinating. You you could actually look into the history of that particular thing, where it was, like, somewhere around, like, I want to say, like, 92, they started, I think, like they forced um, drug companies to start saying what the symptoms were. And the first time they did it, that They went about it really slow, which some commercials kind of do nowadays, but not to the extent that they did back then, where people were able to basically listen to half of the symptoms of, like, basically, like, increased depression, like, basically, irate liver, or what have you. But, like, they went for so long where it's like, this is not worth it, and basically scared people off of antidepressants. And then from there, that's when then you started getting the fast announcer that just, like, read through all those as quickly possible. Interesting, but I
0: don't know. It's like that's that's an interesting way to think about it. Like company paid company paid scientists are just uh, hype men that put on like a white lab coat.
1: So this is actually what I was kind of kind of go about like uh, last week where I mentioned the whole like global warming. It's like. You, you kind of basically have, a, a, like, similar, like, in that situation, like, a bunch of scientists that pretty much are funded by all these companies that are pro, like, with the idea of, like, that global warming exists. So it's just, like, their theories, like, they're, they're already coming at it with the conclusion that global warming exists and then basically using that as, like, ground zero. And then basically kind of working backwards from there. So it's like in that situation, it's like their conclusions are only going to continue to be funded by the idea. Like you're not going to have a company spot, like fund all like all this money to them. And then in the end they say like, Oh, you know what? I don't think global warming is real. Like that scientist would get basically lose all his funding.
0: Like, yeah, actually they have a, I heard this story um, on one of my podcasts that I listened to. Um, they had a scientist on that said the only way he could get a grant is if it was somehow connected to um, global warming. So he, he wanted to go study like turtles in the Galapagos islands, Mm -hmm. but um, he wasn't, he couldn't get a grant for that until he said, how does like, he had a specific thing like migration of these turtles. So Mm -hmm. he wanted to study the migration of those turtles, but how he had to get, ended up getting the grant money was he said, how does global warming impact the migration of these turtles? So everything had to be tied into global warming somehow in order for him to get money. And Mm -hmm. so even if they don't agree with, um, global warming, they always have to tie it back in to validate, um, validate the
1: climate crisis crowd. Yeah. So I, even then, I don't think that, like, let's say if it was just like this scientist released a paper on migration patterns, no one's going to read that. Like, I feel like even it's one of those, like, if it bleeds, it leads type situations. Mm-hmm. So it's like the only way for like the normie, like scientists, like the the people that are like IFL science, like that type of crowd, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. What's that? Uh, I, I guess I was trying to avoid swearing. <laughs> You never heard of them? Uh, no, I have not. So, uh, basically, their whole thing is just, like, they look for the most basic, like, normie-tier scientific stuff, and then they get, like, really enamored by it. But, like, it's not, it's, like, stuff that, like, um, Build Nye-type level, where it's just, like, oh, man, if you turn on water and you boil it, it basically slowly disappears, but it doesn't disappear it just becomes a different form of element or what's called? Like, like state. Like, just like very like stuff that is just like, like rudimentary, like science for like kids. But now basically now they're an adult. They're trying to find any way to connect with their children. So now they're like introducing like these relics from their like childhood, like Nova and Bill Nye and stuff like that. Interesting, But In in the end, like, to me, it's, like, um, I feel that there's, like, a weird, um, I I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, uh, I guess because I don't want to get too edgy, per se, but, like, there is a weird element of, like, when, uh, there's a lot of, let's say, scientific journals and magazines and what have you. That at that point, if you don't necessarily, like, a lot of, like, the, the, the whole, like, uh, I guess if you're a scientist or what have you, you kind of get funding in, like, different ways, and one of the things that you also get funding from is, like, if your stuff gets published in different magazines and stuff like that, and if you basically start to, like, uh, deviate from the norm, then at that point, like, you are persona non grata. It, from any of these magazines so basically it's the equivalent of just being blackballed that like you'll never be heard from no one will ever basically hear anything you have to say you'll be screaming perpetually into the void anything that you can never do would never be really like like discovered or or talked about like us screaming into the void i i have plans for that <laughs> um but it's like it is it's a weird thing to like read about where it's just like people that are like were highly influential throughout like let's say like scientific processes from like the 60s even onwards are just like for like there's a bunch of people that are just blackballed in, in like within like the whole like scientific community
0: hmm.
1: Um, but yeah it, it's unless you follow the politically correct accepted like nomenclature or ideas, you're going nowhere within the science community. Interesting. Um, but yeah, even then, like that's not the full extent of what I wanted to talk about when it came to global warming and I feel that one day we'll have an actual episode on it. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah.
0: So, are my arguments for why it does exist? Are you pro-global warming? No, I was just joking. Oh. So it's uh, like go ahead. Um I was just going to say like <clears throat> just because um so I'm kind of tying it into uh coronavirus a little bit because
1: mm-hmm.
0: what you what you subscribe to with the coronavirus is kind of now becoming out of the norm like getting out of lockdowns and or staying in lockdowns everyone wants out of the lockdowns but you're still counterculture but still i feel like the counterculture is that the coronavirus isn't as bad as we think it is
1: i okay i think uh, maybe early in the podcast like one of the things i mentioned is like i feel like when it came to the media you have like the the media narrative and then you have, like, the counterculture. And the counterculture, sometimes you can basically have, like, conspiracies or what have you, but typically everyone within the counterculture is, like, on the same side. Like, some are just more crazy about how they, they feel about it, but, like, in the end, like, there's typically kind of, like, some unification amongst them. Whereas, like, when it came to the coronavirus, there were so many ideas and theories and, like, schisms, in all these like cultures, that to me there was no unifying thing, and I found that in a weird way frightening. So it's like I I don't like so like right now when it comes to like the the whole like uh, the, the current elephant in the room, like I feel that for the most part that that uh, the, the unification is pretty much there. There's like I feel like there's a a consistent like idea of what one side believes in, what the other side believes in. I like, basically back to like old time, but like for some reason, specifically when it comes to Corona, there is such a weird fragmentation that I I don't I I don't know who is on what side. Interesting. I just know that for me, from my observation of the data, is I believe what I believe in. Well, like, that's
0: fair. I think that's what everyone should do. I was just trying to tie it into like how the global warming people. Like if you're, if you're out, you're out. But then how you explain it makes more sense to me. Um, there's just fragmentation because I believe what I believe in.
1: Yeah. You and I have been friends for a while. Like, I've never, like you chose to go the opposite side in the coronavirus and I never like, treated you differently and if anything I've made fun of my side more than anything it's true
0: true. yeah so coronavirus though yeah new theories
1: um I mean the death rate is slowly going right back up I think that we were starting to reach that low in terms of um, basically what they were talking about flattening the curve like the plateau yeah, but then this weekend and this week, that is going in the opposite direction. I think that, like, this is the second peak coming. Not the second wave, the second peak. The second wave is just going to be murderous, and that's probably going to happen around December. Oh, boy. I sure hope you're wrong about that one, but. Uh, but, yeah, like, if you look at the death trends, like, it's just been, like. there was this like low, like basically that slow climb to 100,000 but now that we reached 100,000 like last weekend, now it's just basically going back on what it used to be back in the 40s. Upward incline. But in the beginning of this, prior to like us like when we were just uh, just talking, you said that you had an idea about why that was happening.
0: Yeah, so like did you see the – I how much do you trust CDC? Like, how much do you – what value do you put in their um, determinations?
1: Um, I would say there's probably smart people with bad, um, I guess uh, – Bad direction, or basically like they're like I would say these people are probably not the people like they're good scientists perhaps, but not the people that you want making decisions. Um, like they were the people telling everyone in the beginning like, oh, you don't need a mask, you don't need to wear gloves, everything's fine. So right. It's like, so last Friday, so like
0: I think I get I grasp where you're at with them. Last Friday they dropped a paper, mm-hmm. um, stating that the actual they have determined that their actual death death rate of coronavirus is 0.3%.
1: Okay.
0: So have you read anything about that? No. Yeah, they dropped it on Friday, trying to be sneaky, basically. This Friday? Um, last. last. Last Friday. Okay. Um, so it before was before, it was the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. So they dropped okay. it on Friday, so it would get buried under people not caring due to the long weekend. Okay. So they dropped it and they said that the actual death rate is around 0.3%. So I don't think it's as lethal, but who knows about the second wave, whatever. Um, And all the deaths have had comorbidities or a majority of the deaths have had comorbidities, which were, Contributing to so like if you're healthy, you're most likely going to recover from it mm-hmm. um, Anyway, so to continue the narrative, I think That what is happening is I think coronavirus spreads like you wouldn't believe like I think we talked about it way back When coronavirus was first on our radars mm-hmm. um, You told me about the spread rate. It was like more contagious than the flu Mm-hmm um, does that like, does that science still hold?
1: Um, I believe so, but uh, it's one of those things where like, um, I not remember. Like, I saw someone talking about it having like a, um, uh, someone famous talking about it having like a, like an R point five or what have you. And like the the, the first um, response was like, because I, I think I had mentioned where it's like um like AIDS like AIDS would have like a R point like one where it's like the only way to get it would be like, like immediate physical contact. So it's not mm-hmm. something it's, like it's immediately like spreading. Right. Whereas something like Ebola would probably be like high like threes or something like that. Where at that point, like being like within the vicinity, at that point you're suspect in terms of if you've got it or Yeah. But, like this guy was putting out this whole thing saying, like, hey, um, that like uh the, the coronavirus is like R point five or what have you. But then like one of the comments was saying it's just like sure, it could be R point five like, individually if you're at your house, but like you have these super spreaders that basically like they don't show symptoms but they're carriers. And they go to all these public spaces. So also, it's, just c- actually continue, sorry about that. So it's like whereas like if you were at your house, it's like, okay, you would have disinfected yourself. But like you have these people that at that point uh, essentially contaminate all these places to such an extent where it's like that our point five is at that point basically negated just in terms of just Quantity of people these people are interacting with. Okay, so with this
0: most recent report, um, I, I listened to a like um, a summary of this report. I haven't read it, and I should probably read it to fact check. Um, but I trust the person that was reading it and summarizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that it was a 0.3 death rate. They have They have suspicions or the science is pointing to that um, asymptomatic people don't spread it as much as they thought they did. Like, it is possible to spread if you're asymptomatic, but it's less likely than if you are symptomatic. Um, And it doesn't live on surfaces as long as they thought it did. This was all in the CDC report that was dropped on last Friday, um, buried under a long weekend. And no media coverage was given.
1: Now, can I maybe alter your motive like devil's advocate? Sure. Now, do you not also feel that there is a lot of bigwig-type influence pushing down on the CDC to reopen the country?
0: Um, as far as I'm concerned... I feel like there is some of that, but I feel like the main power influence would be like the corporate press, like CNN type stuff. I feel like they have the most power and they have the most sway. I so I don't feel so like the democratic the democratic side of things, like the left leaning um, power structure. I feel like they'd have more say and influence. I feel like that's why it was buried. Because if those powers that be that want to open the um, economy or open the country back up, why wouldn't they push that it would have all the coverage it needs? Because I
1: feel that they don't really have a uh, like a avenue of communicating effectively.
0: Okay.
1: And, I mean, this is just me playing devil's advocate.
0: Just uh, so just kind of curious. Right. So that's why I prelimin- like my pre. Text to this question was how you feel about the CDC because this was all in the CDC report mm. that I need to cite and um, get um, receipts basically for. Um, so, but with the whatever the R 5, whatever I don't I don't understand the science of that. But with the way that it does spread, I feel like. Most people have come into contact with it, and um, most people are asymptomatic. Like mm-hmm. that's just that's just my feeling. And what is happening is pe- testing is increasing exponentially. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, I know someone that works at a hospital. There is no whisperings, there is no like, it was like a voluntary testing thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you feel like you need to be tested, then you get to get tested. Um, but I know someone that works at a hospital and most, all the hospitals are also following this. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but they're, in t- they're testing their entire staff involuntarily. So everyone, it's a mandatory test. Everyone has to be tested. Mm-hmm. And i so just with how much they're increasing, and mandating that tests need to increase, of course, cases are going to be going up. I feel like it's part of the—I feel like it's part of the profit, like propaganda. Forgive me for whatever, um, but it is—they're trying to increase the death ca- or the case count or confirmed case count in order to scare people back into submission, into going back into lockdown. Now,
1: now I have something to counter that idea. Okay. So, um, I have something, uh, I watched a video, it was some lady, um, or like, I think it was, um, RT News or what have you, but she was explaining how the CDC was for some, like, they kept combining the, um, antibody tests along with the people that tested positive. Does okay. that make sense? So you know, I, sort of like two different uh, tests. So, so
0: like they, they
1: just let ahead. me get
0: this to So the antibody tests, if they tested positive at one point they combined it with the positive tests?
1: Yes, yeah, so that you currently had it right now. Okay. So they the the CDC kept combining that for a bit. But essentially that number would then basically um like afterwards they were telling them like no you gotta stop doing this. So then it's like Basically, then they had to go through their record slowly and kind of comb through it and then just, like, start revising it. But, like, I think it was, like, it was, like, 20 states, like, basically had done it at the time, like, did the revision, but not all the states had gone through and, 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 revi- and revised their numbers. But she basically explained the, the significance as to it. It's, like, the idea as to why you would, like, why some states would push for a higher number would be like, let's say a state like New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey has about 8 million people. If, when you combine the uh, the antibody tests along with the um, uh, the, the current test, just uh, the uh, currently testing positive for it, like I have I a diagnostic, there you go. So like when you combine both of them together, uh, at that point, it would give a false impression that basically there's been a massive infection rate. And then at that point, basically, so out of like, let's say the 8 million that exists in the city, in the state, 6 million have already gotten it. So then that means that most of them have already received the antibody or what have you. So then at that point, we're good to go. So just like. We can reopen the state because at that point, we'll just develop herd immunity for the remaining 2 million. Does that make sense? Yes, I don't see how that
0: counters my point.
1: But essentially what she was saying is that the antibody test in itself doesn't necessarily, like, you could have developed, like, some antibodies, uh, like, in passing, but not necessarily because you yourself, like, were sick with it at one point. you could have developed it just, like, because, like, some, like, um, just, like, via proxy, like, you just received just, like, someone, like, barely coughed on you, and you were able to develop antibodies for it per se, but you didn't get sick from it, like, at the time. But, like, if you're going to get sick from it, like, it's still going to happen to you eventually, but, like, am am I making sense?
0: Um, kind of, I don't see how it counters my point, because, um... Because you have the antibodies, you're more able to fight off the infection. Correct?
1: You have in a sense some of the antibodies, but not like if you had gotten like a full scale like sickness and like cycled through it. Right. So if you have those antibodies,
0: you would be like if you were to be exposed directly to the sickness, your body would not have as severe of a reaction.
1: Depends, but I mean, also the severity of the sickness kind of goes. Once again, I, I watched that video like four months ago. Oh, not four months, four weeks ago. So it could be a little bit off in terms, but I just remember that her entire argument was that the antibodies and essentially, like, they, those were two different things in general. Because I mean, but I guess I understand that they're two
0: different things, but if they do have it, it means they came into contact with someone with it. Sure, but with that, point, I guess that, goes, maybe, that goes to the point that goes to the point of um, they don't like the super spreaders they don't spread it as well as we thought because if a super spreader were to be around someone and then they just get antibodies instead of getting a full-blown sickness then then you're okay um, that goes to my point
1: um, Well, I, I think maybe the, the the final point I guess I was only just making that situation was just that like Um, you could have a, basically like an antibody in terms of, uh, a strain, but not necessarily the different mutations that come from it. Okay.
0: So even people that, well, this goes to back to what we've talked about before of the virus mutating. Um, those people that have had it can get it again.
1: Yes. Right. Okay. But what I'm saying is... I don't disagree with you in, in the end, but I don't... Uh, I, at the same time, I also feel like that when it comes to the whole thing that um, I wish I had remembered it offhand better, but, like, I... In the end, I'm going to continue washing my hands and basically staying away from people. Well, um, well same.
0: Like, I, I agree with doing that. But what I'm saying is they're inflating these numbers. Like the coronavirus is going around. Like I, I 100% agree with that. It is a, it is a disease is somewhat of a threat to society, but what they're doing now is scare tactics. They're there's top down mandates in all hospitals to test their entire staff. Um, The person I'm aware of doesn't work in the hospital itself. It works in a, like a side, um, side venture of the hospital. So it's not, they never go into the hospital itself, but they are associated with the hospital. So they have to be tested as well.
1: But I guess my, my thing to that one would be like, I would imagine that I would prefer that everyone in the hospital be tested because then you have businesses where they don't necessarily like consider that they should be testing what have you right but like,
0: why at this point in time are they starting to test once once lockdowns are beginning to end once economies are beginning to reopen now all of a sudden they decide to now all of a sudden they decide to test
1: Well I think it's because in the beginning they didn't have enough tests to comply to, just be like, okay, everyone like it's just like testing Fridays or what have you. Well, like 20, at the, four months. Or er, not four months. Let's see. March, April, May, June, three months. Well we're not in June yet, but still like we're, we're almost uh, in June. But it's just like the in that scenario though, like I still kind of go back to is like in the beginning like a lot of the tests were scarce and then some of the tests that we did have were pretty defective. So I feel that, like, in that situation, like, people weren't able to just kind of, like, just do these tests just, like, um, casually. It was just like, if you were going to do it, you basically needed, it's only back then, you needed to go through, like, that whole, like, battery test of, like, you needed to go through, like, four different tests before they'd even let you. Whereas now I feel that it's like, okay, now we can just test you regularly. Because the point that I was going to get at well, it was that there was that um, barbershop or what have you in Missouri where uh, two of the workers basically infected 140 people. So Dang. it's like, huh? Dang. So it's like, I feel like in that situation, it's like, at least like if you're in the hospital, like regular testing would be recommended just because at that point you're constantly going to be exposed to like Randall's just coming in. And I feel like if anything... Like uh, like hospitals are going to be the concentration of where most of the infection lies.
0: I mean, that does make sense, but it would also inflate the numbers.
1: In terms of, well, I mean, why? Because I guess like it'd be the because same. Coronavirus you- goes around.
0: Asymptomatic people never get tested. Mandatory mandatory testing would it would lead to the discovery of those asymptomatic people. Um, And if the asymptomatic people aren't as big of a threat as we thought they were, then there's no point in testing asymptomatic people.
1: But you're basically, you'd be testing the same 200 people over and over again.
0: I mean, I know this person is only being tested once. Okay. So, top-down mandate, testing once, increased number of total cases confirmed it's going to inflate the numbers at a time when economies are trying to reopen that to me that to me smells like scare scare tactics
1: at this point I feel that the economy reopening is inevitable well like Like, we're going to go through like a depression I don't know about depression but I, I think that like I, I think that for the most part, if anything, like, uh, businesses have been using this time to rethink stuff and essentially just changing fundamentally how they go about things. Like, I would not be surprised if within a year, a lot of the businesses that were hyper, like, affected by this, if they basically doubled down on machinery or, like, robots and stuff like that to replace most of their coworkers or other the workers. Mm. But, uh, like as a contingency plan in case like an infection like this occurs again, that way their business just doesn't slow down. Interesting. Yeah. But like, like in that situation, like what, um, whereas like Tesla has those, um, like 18 wheelers, what have you that run on it. Like I imagine that a bunch of trucking companies are probably just going to start investing on those where they just, uh, are like driven by AI as opposed to an actual, like, truck rider. Because so that way, you can know that your business is going to keep going without, like, the having to worry about the, the human factor on the other side. Right. So, shall we address
0: an elephant in the room? I have a pretty good segue.
1: Um, the elephant in the room being the Republican Party
0: yes <laughs> go ahead um, so I feel like everyone's growing tired of 24-7 coronavirus coverage
1: mm-hmm.
0: so they are like top down order switch to race wars okay so I'm
1: going to say my tell, me,
0: tell me everything I I want to know all the conspiracy. What's happening? I want to know what you think.
1: But I want I want to just say something, and I want to say this as like my definitive opinion on all things going forward. And then and I I'll give, my opinion as well. But I like I'm saying like in any situation where like from here. Until, like, this podcast ends. So it's like, so that, so maybe make it like a, uh, I guess like, a, what would you say? Uh, and mods law. Any situation in which someone goes to race, sexism, or any other ism, as the initial reasoning as to why something occurs is not only the coldest take to possibly take, but also the, like, you know, in terms of, like, that whole, like, woke brain and then basically, like, the progressive, like, like basically, like, mind expansion brain uh, mm-hmm. technique, like, those would be, like, all the way in, like, the high tier, where, like, the brain is almost non-existent. Like, your brain is so small that you can't really think outside of just, like, just pure quips and just, like, like, rope, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, quotes. Where it's just, like, all these, like, dumb chants and what have you. Like, Indian, like, just to kind of surmise. I think the people that immediately go to the, the most, like, dumb logic are to not be considered because once again, in this situation, it does not take more than two minutes to kind of like do some basic research and realize, you know what? It seems like way more than just race was going on here. Like this guy was being arrested by the minority. team. You had an Asian, you had a Spanish guy, you had a white guy. It's like, it's like there, it's like it's not like it was just like one race all around that was specifically targeting this guy. But not only like from that, it's like when you look into specifically uh, like into uh, like uh, Officer Chauvin or what have you, like that guy had a terrible like police record. Uh, he has issues and should basically have never been allowed. To be on the police force, and it's like I can give you a a quick summary of his police tenure right now. Um, in uh, 2008, he shot an unarmed black guy. Okay, that's fine. In um, 2011, he was put in on leave for inappro for inappropriate police shooting on an Alaskan native, Nero Mar- Martinez. He was also one of the officers who murdered Wayne Reyes, a Latino man, with 16 bullets forced into him. A total of 42 rounds were shot off. Chauvin and another police officer were chasing a car in 2005, causing the death of three people. And let's see. um, And as of right now, basically, within even the city of Minneapolis, uh, Chauvin has 12 Uh, brutality complaints that basically have been considered closed or non-public. So, like, this guy had a record of violence and should not have been in the situation. Like, this guy seems like the type of guy that wants to basically have a gun and make people pay for bullying him or what have you when he was in high school. That makes sense to me. So, like, going back to this whole thing, it's like, like, especially when you consider, when you couple the fact that he knew this guy for 17 years, I say that when you say that it's race-based or that it's like some racial tension, that is the like dumbest take to consider. Like, I like I will not take anyone seriously that basically immediately goes to race as a deciding factor. making these decisions it's like oh go ahead (laughs)
0: okay that's your definitive opinion or is that the law that is NSA mods number one law okay so never go to race okay my definitive opinion of the situation is um cops have way too much power uh regardless of what happened my view of criminality is no victim no crime and I don't think the state can be considered a victim. What he did was forge a check or forge $20 bills or something or bounce check. Should not have um, been apprehended the way he was. He should have been given a summons or something. I don't even think he should be given a summons. I don't think anything is wrong with what he did. I, however, would never do that because I want to I abide by the law under which I live um and whether or not he had drugs in his system I don't care I think drugs
1: should be legalized and but I think that leads to the ending of that argument what is that ending of that argument I I think the drugs in his system it basically goes to the whole like cuz possible
0: cuz the the um coroner's report
1: said possible intoxicants was well, a preliminary one we still yeah. have but um but i'm I, I guess what i'm referring to is uh um like when you watch the initial like breakdown of like when they pull him out of the car and they put him against the wall they basically notice there's something wrong with him and that's why they call the medics when they realize he is acting weird So it's like that's when they call the medics on him. Like, had he not acted weird when he was against the wall, those medics that picked him up at the end would have never been there. Like, he would have died and basically would have been a longer time before those medics ever even came. Okay, well,
0: my my issue is with the way in which it was handled, then whether whether the whatever was in his system killed him or whether the cop killed him the way it was handled was not just because of what happened. Like, because of what he was suspected of doing.
1: Um, Uh, I guess what you're saying is that it does
0: not justify the force that was used on him.
1: So, in that situation, sure, I, I guess maybe your argument in that situation is that the overall force... Combined, um, does not fit the crime.
0: Yeah. Um, I, in my opinion, nothing should have been done. If he had died by himself, that would have been on his. Like, I'm sure that happens every day.
1: Well, I I guess to me, I guess in that situation, like, the length of time. Okay, so once again, like, I I go it, it. a lot of my opinion was changed once I saw the um, the footage going of like what led up to Officer Hothead basically coming up to him and putting the knee on the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you have the, the situation where like the the Asian cop and then the the white cop were basically the first two on the scene, and but it wasn't Officer Hothead that was the initial one; it was another guy. So it's just like. In that situation, like, those two kind of pretty much handled it. But I feel that once there was that resistance in getting him out of the car, because the Asian guy himself was not able to get him out of the car. So in that situation, that's when they called for backup. Like, I feel that had it been like, okay, just get out of the car, and then what have you, we'll, like, uh, maybe pat you down, see what, like, if you have any other counterfeit, what have you, on you. It's a comply the, or die
0: like, mentality and I don't
1: I don't subscribe to that mentality. Sure, but I, I'm I'm just saying that like the escalation led to basically getting the guy out of the car. Like I like in, in a sense it's like I feel that every, well, at least like everyone involved handled the entire situation poorly. Correct. I agree. But it's like, like, and I guess it, like, where it doesn't make sense why, I, I guess maybe the idea would be that since there was multiple people in the car, you probably need multiple cops for everyone involved. Wait, was there multiple people in the car? Yeah. Because uh, if, cool. if you remember the video, well, I don't know if you, how much you watched of it, but, like, the, the Asian guy goes to uh, George, and then the white guy goes to the guy in the passenger seat, and then there was someone else in the, the seat in the back. So those two basically get put into, like, get put against the wall first and handcuffed, and then at that point, basically, then once that white guy is done with those two, he then circled back, he circles back and then helps the Asian guy get George out of the car. So there's about three people that were in that car to begin with. So I think that's why they called for backup then because essentially they had three and they were struggling with one. And there was only two cops. So I imagine that's where like that situation kind of occurred. But from there, like I, I think that once like i i don't know why they moved george like in that situation george was already like he was against the wall uh, he was already on the ground he was fine like, he was already here right? say that again that was neutralized yeah so it's like i don't i don't get why I pick him up like i it would have made sense to me if that's where maybe the the ambulance was at but the ambulance hadn't even arrived yet like they called for it but they hadn't even yeah. arrived yet. I don't get why... Um, Do you think maybe that this is where
0: the personal aspect comes in? Like, the fact that they knew each other for 17 years? But he years? arrived yet. What? Oh, that guy had not arrived yet?
1: No, because he arrived uh-huh. after... Because if you watch the footage, they pick him up from, from the ground, and then at that point, the other two cops are basically... are So... There's three cop cars in general. There's one that you see where, like, behind, uh, like, George's car. And then there's two other cops that come, basically the Spanish guy and then the uh, Officer Hothead. So, essentially, Officer Hothead is in the furthest car. But the one that's obstructing the view is the Spanish guy's car. And once you get to that point, that's when it becomes the, the hardest to kind of uh, – See what was happening outside of the the 10 minute video where he's being choked out. Yeah. So, but essentially, it it pretty much looks like once they get it to the Spanish guy's car, there's a struggle, and then once they get to Officer Hothead's car, that's when they put him on the ground for 10 minutes and put his knee yeah. on his neck. Okay. So like I, I feel that in that situation, uh, Officer Hothead was the last person. To interact with him, but I so then at that point that's kind of where it gets to the other side, where you then have these three people that are filming this whole situation, but they're just basically just like egging on almost the cop, just like saying a bunch of insults, like calling it like it's like where at that point it's like you have this guy, you will uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna get into it. Into it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah so to me it's, a, it's so and it is where i initially started like okay this is like once i watched that foot like the the just the 10 minute one i felt something happened here that was not explained like initially and it was specifically when the asian cop said cuz they were asking him why are you holding him on the ground so long and the asian cop had said don't do drugs and you won't end up like he did so, in that situation, that's where I kind of basically got like, okay, so there was probably some like delirium or some, some form of like, de- like weird behavior that at that point led to him being tackled on the ground, which in a sense is what will it also what led to them calling them the medics. But like, I feel that maybe like he started saying something or basically it was incoherent or like, or maybe he started like tripping or falling, what have you. But like in the end, like that kind of um, like sparked this whole thing of like, all right, get on him and maybe he'll calm down, because it was like three cops that were kneeling on him. Mm-hmm. It was just like it's just Officer Highhead had the one in the throat. So, but the the progressive like like uh, like like I think the entire procedure probably would have lasted three minutes. But because those kids were egging on that cop, I feel that he was like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to you. You have no control over me. So at that point, he just held it on longer. Like, I think it probably would have been like a short interaction had those kids never been involved. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So, like, that to me is kind of where it's like I feel this situation is more complicated than that. Like, I feel that that cop should not have been a cop to begin with. Like that guy had severe psychological issues that have basically been demonstrated over the past 15 years. I agree. Um, you see that he got arrested, right? Yes. Yeah. At a bail of five hundred thousand dollars. Good. Is that that's a high bail? Yeah. 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 Oh, but, good. But it's a it, it's one of those things where it's like I it's a. But even then, like, so if, if you're watching the footage, like, there's a, there's a point where, like, the medic comes, and basically he's like, hey, let me take a pulse. And you see him basically wave off the guy. And then at that point, basically, the medic has to come in with his superior. And then that's when he's like, all right, fine, you can test him. And it's just like, you can, that like, that to me is, like, demonstrative. Like, it wasn't even, like, about race per se. I think this guy just don't doesn't like being told what to do. I think that would make sense, too.
0: Um. so that goes back to how I feel about it I don't think it's a race thing Like it's a the power dynamics of
1: cops versus civilians yeah I mean I, I don't disagree but it's like I, I guess in that situation it's
0: like
1: I guess my question to you would be Um, the past two nights, uh, let's say, a bunch of people have uh, at that point decided to overturn a series of blue cities um, and uh, raise them to the ground. So, if you were a uh, lowly businessman, and uh, these people start basically looting your store and then firebombing it and what have you. Um, who are you going to call?
0: Uh, the militia? Hopefully I'd have friends there by... Like, that's the point of, like, in my mind, if I'm a businessman, I'm trying to make relations with the customers, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a small business. But also my leanings are libertarian, so I'm going to have guns and all my friends are also going to have guns. Have you seen the pictures of the guys protecting their stores? Um, I've seen some, but I, I... there's not a whole lot because it's a blue state. There's like two or three pictures going around where they have three or four guys just out front of a store yeah. with, with guns. They're protecting their own stores and they didn't get looted. That's what I would do. I wouldn't call the cops.
1: What are they going to do? They're on, (laughs) they're at more risk than I am. But did you, but it's one of those things though. Eventually you have to go to sleep. Like those people, like those people stayed till like five o'clock in the morning, just basically firebombing building. Right. No.
0: Well, I feel like if my business and my livelihood was directly at risk, I feel like I'd find a way to stay awake. (laughs) Um, they found a way to stay awake all night. Granted, there are
1: mi- many of them, but for me, uh, so I guess just like to also solidify my opinion, I think that none of those people were genuine protesters. I, I guess maybe it's a it's a light way of saying. It. I think. That anyone that was genuinely concerned and had things to say, in, tor- in terms of like, uh, George's death.
0: Quickly, before you finish that, um, you feel like people that looted private businesses, correct? Or all the all the destruction that looted private all the destruction basically, like all the, the like even them burning down the the police station. Yes. I, I align with the people that burned down the police station.
1: FBI, please no bully. Uh, I am a lonely businessman. I have no association with this guy. <laughs>
0: uh, but I would never do it Nobody myself. I got onto this call. I, would, I myself would never do that. I would stay inside. I would protect my business. But... I do see why. I feel like that outlet of protest is akin to the Boston Tea Party.
1: But, bro, like in the end, like what's going to happen? Like they're going to rebuild the station and it's going to cost you like $300,000 in the future.
0: I understand that, but it gets a point across. It got this dude arrested ultimately.
1: Yeah, but I, but it, to me though, that's like catering to a mob. And like that is the worst way to go about it. Isn't, like, that maybe, what, isn't that what happened with the founding of this country though? I no. I to me I don't I feel that the founding of this country was way more complicated than that. Like I feel that like if it was just like a mob thing, it would have ended at the Boston massacre. Like they would just like destroy everything. Okay. Well, I think we
0: just differ there a little bit then, like oh. because well, like, i don't I don't agree with them going through and looting, but once they show force on those that are exerting force on them, that's when I tend to align with them.
1: so I feel that the mayor of the town should basically be arrested, very blue pilled, I would say, the mayor. Yeah, yeah. I think that he is the dumbest guy. He has, to me, the same thing.
0: It was annoying that he
1: was, like, crying.
0: Was that annoying to you? I didn't see him crying. Oh, well, like, he was, like, on the verge of tears the entire time. Yeah. That first day. I,
1: I Once again, he has the same thing that Justin Trudeau has, where it's just, like, it's, like, Just no, like, I feel like it's just, like, well-wishings will basically be my entire, like, legacy. Like, maybe if we're nice to everyone, then everyone would join our side. Like, I I think it's, like, the worst form of leadership. Like, like, one of his quotes was, I believe, like, something along the lines of, like, that uh, buildings and finances should basically not take place of lives. And it's just like, it's like, no, it's, like, it's it's a bunch of these people's livelihoods. Like it's like even like private businesses where it's just like they put their entire life savings into starting just businesses, so that like from like the ground up they put the investments in. They basically made your city what it was, and then at that point you basically tell the police to stand down, and then basically let all these like monsters just go in, like destroy all their merchandise. And then at that point then light like the thing to the ground and then you basically telling the cop, Oh, don't do anything. Just let them just just let them like release their steam. Like that is like to me like era, like era hemp, like hemp, uh, geez, I can't even talk. <laughs> but like it's a like, you it's like there was that, uh, that case where it's like people were talking about like because of the whole like stand-down, it's like there was like, this girl that was kidnapped, but like basically the cops didn't act on it. And essentially there was like the footage of her like going around basically like on a doorbell camera asking for help. And then like now they found her body yesterday morning, like inside of a trunk. That's awesome. So back to your question earlier, who would I call? I wouldn't call anyone because they wouldn't come. Well, I mean, in that situation you had no choice. <laughs> right. But like that to me, it's a, it's where it's like, if anything, the mayor of that town should be basically liable for murder because, like, that girl's death is on his hand. And, in fact, all those people that were basically, like, looting and stuff like that, that girl dying, they're all responsible for it. They they overwhelmed that police. So, even to take this a, a step further, you're inserting- like concerned. Collect- that sounds like collectivism to me. But, but wait, 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 wait. Your, so this is a, a thing to consider. Your concern of a militarized police force basically has been shown that if you are just afraid of the reaction of a mob, they're not going to do anything. They all just basically stood there and watched. It's like they were all dressed up in gears, but they didn't do anything. But like What What person got beat into the ground by these cops? That's true.
0: Um... But I do think that proves that
1: an armed populace is a safe populace. So then at that point, you basically at that point are afraid of your fellow man. No, because everyone's equal. Yeah, but they're all lighting like you invest in your story like so like even like last night, like that to me was like where like, it like even took a further level of gross, where it's like uh, the, the the mayor had also said, I think that they'll smarten up and go into the suburbs this time. And that's what happened. Basically, there was like the footage of like them going like door to door, jiggling door handles, basically trying to get into homes. Goodness.
0: Like I said, I don't I don't agree with the destruction of private property. I am against that. But showing force against those that are exerting force on you, I don't think is unjust. I think it is justified to fight back.
1: But, okay. Within the past two nights, how much of what you said, uh, of what occurred, would you say you would be behind? Two acts.
0: When they burned down this police station and when, we went, when they raided, when they went up to the White House.
1: Well, uh, the White House is not in charge of... I know, but
0: it's the representation of what I'm talking about. So it's the representation of that the force that is being exerted on this populace, the state. That's like the epitome of what the state is, is the White House. And then the police station, everything else I don't think is justified.
1: But I I guess like even to me though like going to like it is kind of like going to like Jeff Bezos' house just because like some Amazon guy basically gave you the wrong like order like I I think that in that situation like Minneapolis like I like it, I would understand more if you said go to the mayor's house or go to the governor's house because that's their policies top down. Well, like, uh, to me, in terms of, like, the president, the president, I don't feel, has any effect in terms of, like, how the, the cops are acting. Would you feel the same way if Barack was in pre- in office? Yeah, because it's, like, I, I don't, like, in, in that situation, like, I, I don't... Like, when it was, like, it, I guess, like, maybe in a situation, like, For the most part, in previous situations, it was typically contained within the city itself. So, like, in that first night, they went to the cop's house. So, like, in that situation, like, that made sense to me. Like, if you went to the cop's house, this was prior to him getting arrested, and they were all basically chanting outside. That makes sense, because he was the one that was responsible. But, like, I, I don't see where at that point you then, like, go after... Like, CNN, like, yesterday, like, they they had their building, basically, like, attacked. I don't see necessarily, like, I mean, it's, like, irrespective, it's funny that it happened to them, but I, I don't see why CNN itself was culpable of, like, their actions.
0: I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, the representation. I Like you said, I don't think that every man is very smart.
1: I, it's like NSA Mod Law number one, superseded by NSA Law number two of racism is the dumbest takes.
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't know, man. Like, I just agree with those two because showing force back to the state is a uh, just way of getting a point across. That's just
1: how I see it. I mean, I don't know, Uh, like like, I I guess in a sense if you were to say go to the federal government or like go to the White House and just kind of like relatively have a peaceful protest say like, hey, change this or what have you I guess, but like even yesterday, or, like, on the first day, it's, like, Trump allowed, like, the National Guard to be, basically, enforced, but, like, like to be used, but he couldn't really do anything more than just that. Like, he had a way for the governor and the mayor to, basically, like, enact the, the use of it. So, it's just, like, there there's such, like, a hierarchy in terms of, like, how much, like, the federal government can be involved within state issues that, I it's, like, at that point, I don't see like how those things like like going after one would have helped where at that point they basically their hands are tied just by legislation. I agree. I but I'm
0: I stand by showing force back is what is needed.
1: So it's like if if I was someone that cared genuinely about the situation i would have basically been in terms of like maybe having a sit-out or what have you in front of the officers thing basically like saying this guy should have been arrested and i think that's as far as i would have got i would have not i've never fired like would have never like firebombed anyone like like there was a story of like where um, there was a guy that was trapped inside one of the stores and essentially the store got burnt to the ground and people were recording it on live stream. And the guy was like basically like screaming the entire time. Yeah, and I don't agree with that. Like, I don't know
0: where, like, the line to me is
1: private businesses. All right. They so now- don't do anything to private businesses. So, in that situation, would you then basically... Like, what force would you then be fined with, having been used on those people? Ooh. I don't know. That's a good question. And in that situation, do you feel that it would be the employees of the store that should be enacting it, or the police? Well... As you said,
0: the police really couldn't do anything. They were told to stand down.
1: Yeah, but let's say, like, in, in a, in a, like, in the ideal. Um,
0: in the ideal, there would be private security forces in each business, so the private security force would protect each,
1: each business. Which is also where George Shoven came from, because he, uh, that's where he, uh, no, is it George Shoven or what you? Uh, Officer um
0: If lives are at risk then force is necessary
1: mm, I, I guess to me I, I kind of go back to where it, like you have that whole like social contract or what have you and it's kind of like the reason why like you kind of delegate some to the state Is it's like, if you didn't do you delegate, the deleg- social contract? Huh? do you believe in the social contract? Um, I believe that it exists to a certain extent. I don't necessarily believe that a lot of people abide by it. I think that it's because uh, it doesn't exist. Mm. Mm. It's a construct.
0: It's not a contract. It's a construct, social construct.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, like that's kind of like I don't think it was ever a written law, per se, that said, like, all these things are, like, real. But I think, like, that's the gen- general like, philosophical idea as to why they exist. Like, I give to the government some, like, leverage over me in exchange for knowing that I have working roads, I have a hospital that I can go to, and then that food basically is going to be available when I need it. Whereas, like, one of the things behind the whole social contract is that, like, if there is a problem, like, a mob is basically just going to go to the fullest extent, as opposed to just basically the justifiable like extent. So it's just like in, in that situation is why I feel that you then delegate to the police to then be those arbiters, where the 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 police would then basically be like a non or should be. A non-motivated third party, which at that point, basically, just like, all right, you have an issue with this person. They're on your lawn. I'm going to basically handcuff them away and put them somewhere else. Like, they're on your property. I'm here to just basically get rid of them. So then at that point, like, that's my entire existence for them. And, like, I feel that in that situation, like, is why you, like, if you were a store owner, you would call them. And then basically they'd come, take out these refugee legs, and then at that point basically uh, be done with them. I mean, ideally, but that's never what
0: happens. It's always supposed to be peaceful resolution, but they always go to escalation.
1: Um, yeah, well, I mean, I would also to say that depends on the city. Like, for the most part, in the places that I've lived, I've never had to deal with cops basically overreacting, and every interaction that I've ever had with a police officer has never been, um, I would say, negative. Now, I'm sure that other people have had negative experiences or what have you, but I would say, at least for me, they've always been generally peaceful and actually kind of helpful. So, I don't know, like, I I guess it's one of those things where I think in certain situations, you start developing, like, Bastille Syndrome, where at that point, like, you're a cop and eventually you start getting hardened and start kind of imagining that, like, almost that, like, signing up and getting a badge, you're at war, probably creates, like, the psychological effect to you, where, and, and kind of goes back to what I was saying last week, like these systems are in place. Like cities, I feel should not be existing. Like I feel that the concept of a city, where it's like you have a massive metropolis, basically where like hundreds of thousands of people are all in a small confined space, and then you're basically saying that a hundred people have to police all of them. Like I think that that is like psychologically like something that like that a human mind can't fathom. And like the only way to imagine like, to cope with it and just imagine that every civilian that you deal with basically is out to kill you. Like, I mean, like, it's not the the, the reasonable thing, but I think rationally in your mind, that's the only way that you can basically get your mind around it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense,
0: but it's not like they didn't know that signing up.
1: Yeah, but I think that that's also where, kind of going back to what I was saying last week, where it's like, these systems, in a way, need to fail. Like, I think the, the concept of a city needs to fail because at that point it's like of a city if, or city police city. Like I, I think that having a massive amount of people in a small confined area is terrible overall. Like I feel it's terrible for like the, the psychology of a human being. I think that it's uh, terrible in terms of like what it does the environment and basically all these other like um it just like it's harmful in general like i think that people would be better off like i'm not saying like make everything a suburb but like kind of people need to be more spread out like i think if things were to be more spread out violence in general would just be down overall like at that point you can basically have like uh, like just maybe like a town mayor or even like not even like have a cop in certain situations. Because it's like at that point, like I feel that you have enough distance where you don't really have a motivation to either be jealous of your neighbor's property or basically like have any resentment towards them and want to murder him. Hmm. But this goes to another thing that I would say is more, um, I guess, philosophical that I kind of think about every once in a while but it's that is here or there. That's interesting. So
0: I don't know. Cause people tend to congregate and that's just how modern life
1: has gone. But people tend to congregate for I, I would say the wrong reasons. They think that basically living closer to their job is beneficial to them. Okay. Like I like to me I think that I would rather live closer to resources than to my place of employment.
0: Mm, I guess, like fundamentally, yes, but modern in the modern in our modern existence, I don't think that is feasible.
1: Why though? Because I, th- I think, if anything, modern society should have led to that type of uh, existence, like spread out. You know, yeah, because it's at that point like there'd be more telecommunication and more stuff that you can do from your house like uh, that, I, that
0: logic does follow
1: yeah so it's like I like in, in a sense like, I feel that like metropolises should have been a thing like uh, like gone the way of the dodo but then at that point like such a weird tangent to have gone in terms of like this race yeah, ride
0: but we decided that it's
1: not about race yeah. But it's just like, just we like as a I'm just we, thinking in the back of my head, like, like I don't think that this is what like someone would have came in thinking that this episode would have gone towards. I
0: mean, yeah. So, in order but, to yeah, fix the problem but, with police brutality, we need to spread out.
1: Yes, like I think that would help overall.
0: Like, it, I mean, so if you, you do look at like small towns and their rate, like they know the police officer
1: yeah so they they know the police officer and in certain situations it's like they they pretty much also know each other so it's like at that point it's just like when something goes awry everyone is more aware of it because at that point it's just like they're they're like it's like it's almost like uh, you kind of develop like this weird social safety net as a result where it's just like I don't know like I, I, to me, uh, in situations that I have been in a city where there is a massive amount of people, I have never felt more alone than as opposed to when I was in a situation where I lived way more spread out because at that point, I knew that my neighbor was concerned for my safety because at that point, it equally concerned his safety. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the most rural place I have lived was the most peaceful place I have lived as well. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of cop action, like mm, then again, it's like, then again, where I lived when it was rural, the police over there are quite corrupt, like more so here than
1: here. It was out of the country. So uh, I mean, I, I can't, I have not lived long outside of the country. But, like, I would say that in rural areas, for the most part, anyone has left me alone, and no one has bothered me, and no one's interacted with me, and I do the same to them in respect.
0: And I feel like that's how it should be. Where does does that logic disappear
1: when it comes to cities, though? I think it's one of those things where you're so on top of each other that your personal space, like, Whereas, I guess, like, you and I are used to the idea that my personal space extends not only between me and two feet in front of me, but me and to the end of my property rights. So that at that point, if someone is on my property, it's like, okay, I I need to know who you are or something is wrong here. Whereas, at that point, when there's such a confined amount of space where it's just, like, the, the the amount of, like, territory that you have is so small, that at that point, like, the immediacy for people to overstep their boundaries and cause hostility is way easier. Like, if you live in a small apartment complex, and if your neighbor is cooking terrible dinner, then at that point, you're smelling that, and you're going to be aggravated. That's true. So it's, like, I it's one of those things where it's, like, people need distance and and it's like i mean it's the same thing you would have experienced growing up if you had a lot of siblings it's like if you didn't have your own room you were constantly going to be in contention with your siblings it's like at that point it's like i need my space i need time to be myself like i'll be near you when i want to be but i need time to just decompress i agree and do you feel like
0: that's just human nature that everyone needs that or do you feel like some people can handle it
1: I I think that, oh man, I, I really want us, uh, like I mean, I've already seen it, but I would love it if you watch My Dinner with Andre. Okay. It's a two hour long movie and it's literally the equivalent, you can just listen to it because it's just a, two people just talking back and forth. There's nothing visually interesting happening because they're just in the middle of a dinner. So it's just like, unless you want to watch them just basically, like, cut up a steak or what have you, nothing's really going to be happening. So you can just listen to the entire movie. And the whole thing is about, like, how philosophically living in a city changes your way of thinking and existing. Where it's like, so, like, the whole thing is, um, Andre is this guy who basically at one point just kind of says, like, living in America is weird and just packs up and leaves and like moves to India. And then basically after like five years of being gone, living there, it's just like he comes back and then his friend has a dinner with him, which sparks this entire conversation. So, but like he was like, they kind of talk about like a lot of different like things about like philosophically that is kind of, um, kind of interesting to think about. But like, it kind of goes in such a weird way that at that point, it, it's like you didn't expect the conversation to go there. So, like for example, like one of the things that he talks about is that he kind of starts thinking about New York City as a thing, where it's basically a prison. But the prison was built by the prisoners who inhabit it. So then at that point, there's this whole weird fixation of basically being enamored by your own creation. So it's like you start getting to this whole thing where like everyone that lives in New York basically talks about leaving New York, but never does, because at that point they're so invested in what they created that at that point basically they don't want to leave. So they're miserable while they're there, or if something keeps them there for some reason. So it's just like so they they, they basically create this massive panopticon like prison within their own mind.
0: Yeah,
1: that makes sense. So it's, I, I, I <laughs> kind of it interesting, that. eh? Is it on Netflix or? I found it on YouTube years ago, but it no longer exists as a whole. You can find um, interesting chunks of the conversation on YouTube. Um, yeah. but you could probably find it like on, let me see. Uh, uh, my Dinner with Andre Streaming. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess you have to pay for it. It's uh four dollars on on Amazon Prime. Okay, I can I can watch it. It's not bad. I it, I, I think it's a very interesting movie. Um, like if if you want to try that out for like a thing for like next week or something like that, I'd be like one hundred percent for it. Okay, I'll try to watch it all or listen to it all. Um. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just like, it, it, I don't know. I I've always been fascinated with urban planning, and like one of the things that I kind of like when I was like really young, I started looking at like what I, I I wondered why when I was in certain neighborhoods, I was like, I don't think this is a good neighborhood, without even seeing any of the people, and at that point, I wondered why I felt that way. So then at that point, you start kind of, like, every time that you're, like, within a bad neighborhood, like, kind of think about, like, what are the elements that I see here that make me feel that way? And it's just, like, if if there's a lot of businesses close to where there's residential areas, at that point, like, it's just, like, okay, it's, like, there's a lot of pedestrians, so it's, like, you're constantly, like, uneased because it's, Mm -hmm. like, there's so much, like, foot traffic that at that point, it's, like, you can't necessarily just like let your guard down. Or like when the streets are very narrow, then at that point it's just like, okay, these people are closer to each other. Going back to that whole thing, like if your neighbor is a terrible cook and you're smelling that in your kitchen. So it's just like things like that where it's like you where it's like the more confined it is, like you start getting like these weird negative vibes. Um, yeah, I agree.
0: Um I have been in many neighborhoods that are stacked incredibly like they're very densely populated and there is definitely a sense of un, unease. Yeah.
1: I see what you're saying there. I mean, I don't know. Like I feel like I'm kind of in a weird way proud that this kind of went in a weird tangent as opposed to like just a, uh, Philosophical de- deconstruction of like race relations within America. Well, like, do you think there's a problem there? Uh, race relations? Yeah. I, in reality, no. Like, like it's like I, I, think that at heart everyone is racist, regardless of like, no matter how much, um, people try to tell you otherwise. I think that everyone is racist in some way or another. Now the thing is. I don't think that for the most part, anyone really acts on it. Like, it's like I think that some people like in the end just want to be left alone. Like that, that is like the, the, the heart of the matter where you're just like some people just don't want to interact with another race. And then at that point they're thrusted um, to be, to force with, to deal with some people that they don't want to. And I think that's where a lot of negativity comes from. And but for the most part, I don't think that like I mean like it's even when you when you think about like white liberals and stuff like that, like they're self hating. They hate other whites for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of people that compose like the liberal left is like this like massive party that's like completely okay with racism towards whites. So it's just like it is like I don't know, like in that situation it's like you don't see like a massive like quote unquote genocide occurring. But meanwhile, they can say all this like racist rhetoric and then basically go on touch. Now, that same amount of rhetoric cannot be said towards any other race. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there is a
0: – what is that word? I said it earlier. A collective issue, but individually I don't think there is an issue. Like when you get down – I mean, I'm sure there are places where, like individual to individual, there's issues, but like for the whole of society, I feel like individual to individual, I don't think there's that many. I don't think there are that many issues, but that's just my white privilege, wouldn't you
1: say? Well, like, okay, so kind of going back, it's like in the 70s and the 80s and the 60s and stuff like that. Like you had all these like TV shows where it's like, okay, like it's a black family, like you have the Cosby's or what have you. And it's like no one really thought anything else of it until you then basically start getting like people nowadays where it's like, oh, we're gonna make it's like these like uh, universally like recognized as like white characters like either a female or like this other race and just basically intentionally stoking and like trying to tarnish memories that you have by forcing their like agenda. Like, that, to me, is, like, where you then start getting, like, racial, like, animosity. Like, when other, like, black characters exist, or, like, when female characters exist, no one has anything negative, per se, to just their existence. Like, these things can exist within their own world, and people, like, leave well enough alone. Like, but then at that point, instead, the the argument then turns into, basically... Let's hijack what you're into and then turn it into this other thing. And then at that point it's like, oh I wonder why people are resentful of that. It's like I wonder why people don't want your like it's like their values to basically be dictated to them. Yeah. It's like I don't know, like think about like in in like the the, the early eighties, it's like Eddie Murphy was like one of the highest like you had Eddie Murphy, like Richard Pryor. Like, these were, like, top-paid ta- like, top comedians. And it's just, like, no one was telling you, like, oh, man, this guy is funny because he's black. It's just, like, no, this guy's just genuinely funny. But then it's, like, at the, whereas, like, now it's, like, oh, we're going to make an entire movie that's completely composed of, like, black people. And it's just, like, you're just literally choosing these people by the color of their skin and not because of their specific talent. Like, that to me is way more racist than anything else. Because it's like, you're just basically saying, like, talent need not apply. Just pure, just, like, selective on on, on just a single value. And it's just like, that to me is just, like, almost like, I don't know, like, racial puppetry in a weird way. Like, I'm just going to use these people just to, like, in a weird way taunt you and like and, and have no emotional like sympathies or like or like empathy towards like, I feel that I'm like rambling
0: I understand what you're saying though um, I guess like we're kind of winding down um, but in the end cops have too much power there could be a conspiracy here I don't know Everyone's, I, trying I to, to everyone, everyone's trying to say like um, the riots were instigated by the police.
1: Have you seen that? Uh, no, but I mean, I, I guess in a way, I think of like the idea that like them standing down is a weird way of instigating. No, no, no. Like they had insider police officers.
0: Like there's this one picture of the guy with the What's that?
1: The guy with the umbrella. Uh,
0: I'm not sure. The one that started the looting, basically. Mm, I mean, I, I don't. Maybe we're talking about the same guy. I don't um, know. But like, apparently, he's a cop that was like a plant as well.
1: If this is a, a good thing to kind of go into, if you if you were to keep going through Alex Jones like uh, film. Like library. Um, Which one are we I, gonna do next? I, I to, when the next time that we do an in-person one, I want to watch Endgame because I feel like that is a very topical movie, even like right now still. So. Okay. Um, but the one that I'm referring to, he, it's like, um, he's covering the like 90, 1992 uh, World Trade Organization protest that happened in Seattle. Where it's like for the most part, it was a peaceful protest. But then you basically get these uh, black boots, um, like, Antifa, like, like, instigators. But at that point, like, they're all dressed, like, for the most part, like, they have police boots on. They have, like, a lot of the same, like, type of gear that police have, except they're covered in black. So, essentially, the idea being is that you have these situations where... Um, they get hijacked, whereas it would have been a normal protest, like, where at that point, like, chanting or what have you, but then they get hijacked by essentially hired thugs to, at that point, basically diminish the actual value of what the, like, the, the point was. Interesting. And that is what I think Antifa is basically to, like, to a core. Like, Antifa, I feel, like, is pretty much, A, responsible for all these things. Like, there's not one protest that I've not seen someone that basically is not Antifa. And I find it laughable that they continue to push this argument that it was white supremacists that was leading all these things, like, in all these, uh, um, these riots, where it's just like, so you're saying that these people that are white supremacists are going side by side with blacks, Asians, and Spanish people and basically not just outright attacking them, but then at that point using them to basically destroy these buildings. To what end? Like, would, would it not just turn into Charlottesville 2.0 if they were literally white supremacists? But it doesn't. So then at that point, mainly it's like the, the, the whole argument in, in the end is the media continues to cover for uh, Antifa 100% of the time and basically tries to paint the picture that it's not them, regardless of, it's like, basically telling you, don't believe your eyes. It's like, you see a black man basically going into the store, that's a white guy. It's like, it's like you may think that he's black, it's just ash. Just It's like the, the, the most like infuriating thing to just kind of like, read all these articles saying like it was just pure white supremacists doing all these things, where it's just mainly the opposite. The opposite is true. Yeah.
0: Well, time will tell, I guess, but if people just want to keep race-baiting and dodging the real issue, I guess that's on them, but we live in this society too, so we have to deal with the ramifications as well.
1: Oh, I just wanted to kind of um, it took some screenshots because I wanted to just kind of go over some stuff just briefly. Okay. Um, where was it? Let's see. Oh, there was that one quote I mentioned to you. Uh, libertarian believes in property rights, except when it comes to people protecting their neighbor's property and protecting businesses being looted if black people are mad. Um, disagree Uh, the riots are a hilarious indication that the militarized police are completely useless uh, useless in instances where militarized police would be useful agree Um, Democrats are the real racists seriously they were always going to try and absolve black rioters from any guilt from their racial terrorism. Ooh, true. For the Anar-
0: looters, for the looters.
1: Anarchists are two kinds: the rich and the poor. The essence of anarchy in both cases is not thinking of any authority as asking a loyalty from oneself. The anarchy of both sorts treats the the community. Er- around him as something to which he does not belong one more time the anarchists are of two kinds the rich and the poor the essence of anarchy in both cases is not think of any authority as asking a loyalty from oneself the anarchists of both sort of treats the community around him as something he of which he does not belong to I mean yeah And, uh, the last thing it was that I had taken a screenshot was, uh, um, last night in Portland, Anifa basically destroying like this black lives, um, justice center. But yeah. Um, I also had the quote from the coroner's report or the, the police report thing, but I don't know. But yeah. Um, how long do you think this lasts? Um...
0: I don't know. The riots? Yeah. Probably two days. Just kidding. It's probably going to be a hot minute.
1: I think that due to the whole quarantine, you have all these businesses that are not working So then at that point, all these people that have normally would just say, all right, it's, like, Sunday, I'm just going to go back. These people don't have jobs. So now they have nothing to do. And And the businesses at this point are getting burnt down. So I think that this is going to, like, end a complete destruction of these blue cities. I think they're going to try and go into like suburbs and basically be quickly arrested. But like a lot of these like cities that are um, massive metropolises are going to, to me, so I I guess maybe where I was getting at is like from here until next Friday, I would not be surprised if it kept going. All right. We will test that theory. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but like i i wouldn't be surprised if it goes on longer like um but the rioting and looting i don't think it's going to go on much longer
1: oh i think it is i, I that's the thing is it? i think that the rioting is going to keep going for a while i think how I long thinking, did the la riots last uh let's see oh man i saw uh just a sad video from the la riots yeah six days
0: um, so it was six days, so tensions have gotten worse. Let's say twelve days is what my cap is going to be. That's my that's
1: my guess. Twelve days? Twelve days. I I think that it will at least go till next weekend. So I think that's ten depending on I would judge based on the severity of next weekend. Um, but I can easily, see, like, I, I think it's going to go between now and next Sunday. And at that point, on the next podcast, I'll see, like, if I, I guess I'll reassess and see, like, how much longer. Um, but I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I think that it's just barely warming up. I think that a lot of people have almost, in a way, a financial motivation to do this because you can just get a bunch of free stuff. So, I can see people just going to these big towns and just, like, saying, like, all right, I want a TV, so I'm just going to go in there and loot. Like, I'm just going to be here just to get the free stuff.
0: Do you think it's wide, It's going to be widespread throughout, like, Midwest, or do you think it's going to be contained to Minnesota?
1: Um, I know that right now – no. It's, it's, it's So, it's spread so far to Phoenix, uh, uh, Denver. It went to Portland. It's currently in LA, it's right now in Atlanta, and I believe there was also some in Tulsa, Oklahoma for some reason, and there was also some in Austin. The Austin one, I've heard a lot of, like, violent stuff occurred there. Like, basically, like, brick throwing. Really? Um, so, it seems to me, once again, going back to it, it's like, every major city is more than likely going to have to deal with this. Dang. Well,
0: let's test that theory. And until Uh, um, then... What? Nothing. I'm just joking.
1: Uh, There was something else I was going to mention. What do you think would happen if the the cop gets found innocent? Uh, More looting, more rioting? imagine the Minneapolis burst to the ground I could imagine that
0: but at this point I don't know if he will because of how big this reaction
1: has been but then it's like like think about it though in a sense you know what I think the, it's like the guy's going to die in jail before he ever sees court you think? there's no way like what judge is going to be impartial Like, you need to find an impartial judge and then basically find some people that have never heard about this case to then be on the jury there's no way it's true so this guy basically has to like I'm going to take a guess that he's going to get Epstein before he ever sees trial
0: I don't know I don't know. We will. We will find out. All right.
1: Um, Do you have a quote? No. But um,
0: until next I, week, guys, stay safe.
1: Um, don't believe the media, even about coronavirus. Uh, sure.